Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. Our message last week from the Jesus parable of the sheep and the goats about the priority of responding to human need with generosity, solidarity and care has generated a fair amount of questions both from Jamaica and from Zambia. Today I respond to one of those questions which has come to me from a friend and colleague, the pastor of First Missionary Church in downtown Kingston, the Reverend Mr. Omar Morrison. He has raised the question of the viability and sustainability of this kind of generosity. He pointed out that this in his own experience, both of the unthankfulness of those who receive and the pushback from the leadership of the, within the church community about difficulties encountered along the way. And he raises some questions. Listen to Reverend Morrison. Hello, Pastor Ropa. I hope you're doing all right. I'm just pausing to say thank you for your last two messages. I mean, I normally say thanks and I normally appreciate them. But I think I need to just make two brief comments. Uh, one is one of the things that struck me about the message that reflected on the challenge associated with Kevin Smith was how you got so many substantive things in one broadcast. Um, that is usually, from my vantage point, uh, the challenge that a, a preacher faces because you spend hours studying but you cannot include everything because you, it's not about showing uh, your breadth of experience or how bright you are or whatever. It has to come back down to what is the central idea and what are the supporting things that you need to say that will create lasting impact as one depends on the spirit. So I, I thought that that was very good and instructive. That's one. The second thing is about last week's presentation that took an angle on what would have been a, a, a reflection on All Saints Day. And what you said really resonated with me because as we speak, I'm dealing with a real situation of generosity and humanness and how hurt, personal hurt and, and challenge can come to you just as a result of that expression of humanity. And I won't keep up your time, but allow me to share in 30 seconds an experience that I've had that I'm still dealing with. Three years ago, two days before Christmas, Pauline told me that a lady was there to see me. It was a Friday evening. I had already done my last counseling appointment for the day and I was almost packing up. I told her, you know, asked her if I could, the lady could come on the Tuesday, which was my another scheduled office, oh, I was going to be off on the Monday. The lady insisted, and I 
offered to speak with her for a few minutes. A few minutes turned to two hours, and after her hard luck story of having nowhere to sleep, she said she was sleeping on a station bench at Central Police Station. I began immediately to work the phones, checking on all the spaces and places downtown where I think she could get lodging. Last person I checked with was Father Holong. Nothing was coming. Uh, we, I knew we had one more room at the fellowship home, uh, but I knew it, they were storing some you know, church material there, some old stuff. Anyway, I asked Mr. Riley to clean it out, and I took a decision rather than going through the committee that deals with this particular um, arrangement for the fellowship home. I cleaned it out, had them sweep it and wipe it out, and I told the lady she could stay in there until the first week of January because it's managed by a committee and they have to okay her being there. She was very, very happy for that. Anyway, long story short, what was supposed to have lasted for two years has now lasted almost three years. She didn't find anywhere, hasn't found anywhere to go. The relatives she told us she had, including our social media search, we have found no relatives for her. But she speaks with an accent, having spent some time in England, and she appears to be suffering from delusions of grandeur. So she speaks highly of many things and said that her house was taken away in Jamaica and she had nowhere to stay, etc., etc. Anyway, we noticed that over time she was being very uncooperative over the period and would get into fights and challenges, you know, posing challenge for the, the daycare facility that we operate. I got in touch with a doctor and um, he tried to do a medical assessment, but, you know, found it difficult. But based on the conversation he had with her, he said that she was really having a mental breakdown and it was being exacerbated by her age. Long story short, she has been proving to be very difficult to deal with and she's still there. The challenge we have now is that the other day she took me to court to say that I gave her permission to cut three trees from the yard and promised to pay her $60,000 and refused to pay her. So I had to go to Sutton Street Court to defend my name and character um, in relation to this matter. Um, as, as the court system is, it did take some time. I uh, spent the whole day dealing with that after a second appearance. The judge threw out the matter and ordered her to pay me $10,000 in damages. Uh, but the thing is, because of the COVID thing, they're unable to uh, get her out. Um, I, I wrote to Desmond McKenzie. I think I, I may have asked you one time how to approach it. They said that they couldn't take in anybody and their list is very long. So I'm just sharing this story <laughs> to say that um, sometimes when you go above and beyond, you know, identifying with the humanity in another person it can it can turn around on you so badly of course that is not a reason not to do it but never in my wildest dream would i have imagined that a generosity generosity expressed like that would have turned around to be such gross inconvenience and then on top of it um the way my fellow council members and church members have dealt with it you know, it hasn't been easy for me because I saw myself as doing what Jesus would do, but they're not necessarily seeing that way because of the difficulties they've had to deal with at the fellowship home, but also in members meeting where the matter has arisen. And the, the, the spotlight has been placed on the fact that I 
have not abided by protocols <laughs> and you know that kind of stuff but you know it's just to identify with what you have said i don't think i'm i'm in the wrong to have done what i did you know but as i say i'm just giving you feedback because what you have said um has resonated with me thank you may the lord continue to bless you as you do the work that you do well thank you for your note i am at the start of a day in which i will begin the marking of 108 scripts so i'm relatively busy but i think i had to respond to your very kind of intriguing voice note uh, let me say i'm only going to comment on the second sermon and on this story you told you, you know there i was preaching on sunday in a member service so it means that i was operating with a translator and I think you know that if you're operating with a translator, it takes twice as long to say anything as it does without. So I had to um, be mindful of what details I included in the sermon. But if I had been preaching, say, in an English congregation, say, in Jamaica, I would have made two preliminary remarks about the parable of the sheep and the goat. One of them would have been that the parable of the sheep and the goat does not tell us what happened to any of the people that we have, the one we give bread, drink, clothes, or a welcome. And it leaves open the question as to whether they became and remained a recurring decimal, meaning the need remained. You know, because these things are not offered as permanent fixes. And the second comment I would have made about the parable is that it doesn't say what happened to us who offered the gestures of humanness or family or of Christian faith towards them. And that is why I want to comment on your story. And I want to say this, that the lady you are helping is not the first one long before her there was a young lady i think a very good looking young lady bethel baptist church asked me if i could help her and the resistance you speak about from the council was present then but you know you can't be in the job you are if you don't have an element of stubbornness and initiative you know you are not called to be a hail fellow well and to be to make popular and approved of decision at every turn. You're called upon to be a leader in moral and spiritual terms. And sometimes that means cutting across the grain, you know, and offending the sense. So, sorry about that. Let me continue. It was not apparent to me that it was she was I knew she was homeless, but I didn't know she was also mentally unwell. And she stayed there for a number of years in the fellowship home. I can't remember if, you know, at a point her young ladyness became a factor. That is to say, she was a good looking woman. She walked in that community and some of the boys were interested in her. I don't remember her being receptive of them. But over time, as she became more ill 
more unwell and it became more difficult to deal with her. And she said all kinds of things about me too. I don't even know if she ever said me I was looking at it. I don't remember. But I got a house for her from Food for the Poor and built it, built the house on a road across from KC, Melbourne, on Elliston Road. I can't remember any specific detail, but I fixed up the place for her. It was near but not in a tenant yard and placed her there. And they went in and raped her, you know, and I think burned down the house or dismantled the house. I can't quite remember now. But I remember being burdened enormously by guilt that as inconvenient as the inconvenience that she generated were, she that did not deserve rape. And I don't remember what happened to her after that, you know. But <laughs> we have to be committed to the human project for a long haul, you hear me? And the part of the problem is that the church which distinguished itself for many years as building charitable organization has lost the stomach for it. You have all these people who are wannabe rich people in church and think church is an excuse for them to make money and God is happy with them carrying back real estate and, and financial assets to heaven. <laughs> That's what they think. And I'm afraid we indulge them in that thinking, but you know, I understand and if my solidarity means anything to you, please accept it, you know, but it is what it is. Blessings on you. Say hello to your wife for me. A bit of a background may be useful. I was pastor of the same church, First Missionary Church, from 1977 to 1997. And I was the one who established what Pastor Morrison refers to as the fellowship home. When I became pastor of that church, they were already committed to establishing a nursing home for the care of their seniors. The late Reverend Mr. Peter Spencer, who had led them during his watch in that direction. They had purchased a home along Goodwood Terrace of the Constant Spring Road in order to establish their fellowship home. However, all the computations they did made it too expensive to operate such a home and the fee to be charged to its occupants too costly. So they delayed and eventually abandoned that location for the site of the nursing home. I came along several years later and there were some very committed and determined women who kept the fire burning. None of these persons is alive today, but some of their names are worth remembering. Sister Jane Berry, Olga Lysett, Mrs. Eula Phillips, to name only three of them. Mrs. Eula Phillips was a woman of some means but a widow with no children. She was in her 60s when I met her. She had several homes, but became senile as she aged. Before she died, no attempt to get her to a halfway house succeeded, and she fell into neglect and want, and eventually she died, and her homes were lost. 
the church, because of this, renewed its passion to get a fellowship home for care of its aged members. As God would have it, the late Elder Horace Berry presented me, pointed me to a home next door to the church downtown Kingston, which was being sold for, as I recall it, 28,000 Jamaican dollars. We bought it. It required some work. The late Elder Hopeton Smith, on his own initiative, acquired at his own expense the adjoining property to the rear of that building on the lane behind the church at a cost of 8,000 Jamaican dollars. I set about organizing the refurbishment of both premises and finally a home that could fit the purpose of a halfway house was established. By the time the building was ready, a coup and the subsequent rebellion called Desukage in Haiti had erupted and a long-serving missionary to Haiti, Nurse Horton Salmon, was forced to return home. She brought with her from Haiti 18 other persons, including her adopted daughter, Yacinth, who has since become a nurse, and an American missionary. They all fitted in nicely into the fellowship home and became its first occupants. They lived there for some time. Over time, the role became apparent. It was to make available space for persons, some aged, some infirm, some who had fallen into hard times and were neither aged nor infirm, but could manage their own upkeep. It has worked well for some time, but not without one or two difficult cases. It seems to me that at as at first instance, the church has to clarify what is the appropriate use of church property and church financial resources. It is a worthwhile goal. To, is it a worthwhile goal to simply amass real estate holdings to, for its own sake, to burnish denominational egos and make church leaders wealthy? Will God reward a church if it's the state of its finances is particularly healthy and robust? Does God like zeros so that the more zeros we have in our financial record, the happier God would be? Or do the holdings and financial assets that the church has have a purpose in generosity, solidarity, and care in response to human need? This is an argument that has to be settled. There seems to me to have emerged within the church a myth of financial prosperity and a love affair with money or with having. The need, this needs to be challenged and replaced with a simplicity and a commitment to serving human need. The second thing to be clarified is the difficulties we encounter in serving human needs along the way. Do they mean that it is not a worthwhile cause and that it deserves to be abandoned. Human societies and notions of civilizations have always to do with the capacity to respond to human need. The fact that someone is schizophrenic or have other mental illness issues does not mean that they do not deserve to be cared for. If others can do it, members of the professional class, 
Why not us in the church? The fact is, what is needed is a greater activism and care for the mentally ill in our society led by the church. I'm in Africa and it is interesting to me to see how well the extended family works here. People chip in for their relatives. Some of them have the most modest means, but they do not lack the capacity to stand with their extended family members and their relatives in times of sickness or death or need. It is us in the West who believe that these are matters for the professional classes only and for the actions by the state, but not for ourselves. We need to recover this sense of family and to recover the sense that the care of family is a matter for the long haul. It is neither easy nor short term. The third thing is a matter of outcome. Everything in the parable of the sheep and the goat is geared toward the giver. It is the giver more than the receiver that is better off in the parable. They enter the kingdom prepared for them and for the angels. They enter the joy of the Lord. They receive the well done and they are given the benediction of good and faithful servants. It is almost to say that the best form of self-interest is to serve the needs of our brothers and sisters in need, including the least of these. Caring for others is by no means a lost cause. It is a matter to which God and Jesus Christ pays keen attention and rewards handsomely. More than that, one is vindicated and honored for the choice to care and to be generous to others. May God help us to be part of a new wave of generosity, care and solidarity within and without the Christian community. May God bless you. Amen.